Pops and Hisses, a music podcast where you hear from the artists you love. I'm your host, Kevin Coffey, and in this episode, I sat down with Matthew Sweet, the million-selling alt-rocker you might know from songs like Girlfriend and Sick of Myself. Matthew has two gold records, multiple top ten rock hits, and he grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska, near my hometown of Omaha, playing in bands like The Specs. Later on, he moved to the Athens, Georgia rock scene, where he was friends with like R.E.M.'s Michael Stipe, and later on, ended up in L.A., He did big things there, releasing smash hit albums like Girlfriend and 100% Fun, and he's been called a power pop god. And I was glad to talk to him again about his brand new record, Cat's Paw, that's out January 15th on Omnivore. And Matthew, interestingly, produced the entire album himself, except for drums. He played all the instruments, produced it, mixed it, did everything, even lead guitar, which is something that he's never really done before. So it was really fun to sit down again with Matthew and talk about the recording process, inspiration from his friends and previously guitarists like Richard Lloyd, and just how this whole record came together, which though he made it all on his own, he actually did so before the pandemic hit in 2020. Real quick, I want to remind you that you can listen to the Pops and Hisses podcast and find music news, reviews, and interviews at popsandhisses.com. But right now, it's time to talk to Matthew Sweet. Let's get into it. Yeah, so it's been um, it's been an interesting time for sure. So I've been kind of asking this of everyone lately because usually the music business is so busy. It's recording and touring and, and driving and flying around and doing all these things, but everyone's been at home. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, for sure. What have you been doing with yourself the last nine months? Or uh, Well, um, you know, I had finished my album really just before the pandemic hit. Uh, I, I mastered it. I mean, like very shortly before everything got going and then shut down. Um, and so I wasn't one of these people who, you know, had a big creative burst, uh, because of the pandemic. I've really spent a load of time, uh, watching stuff, just consuming content (laughs) of, movies and shows and just a tremendous amount of stuff and uh you know it now that it's been kind of a year since i finished this record i'm starting to think toward writing songs and doing some of that stuff i mean because things are still at such a height in the pandemic right now i'm a little unsure when we'll really be back out touring it's starting i'm starting to wonder if it's really going to be this summer or next fall, or if it's going to be longer than that. I mean, the the hardest thing is really that that's mostly how I make my living is touring. And so it's really is like all making money kind of stopped. And unlike a lot of artists, I didn't, you know, immediately start doing shows and stuff online. Um, I guess when it first was happening, I just felt kind of like, it wasn't appropriate in some weird sort of way. <laughs> yeah. um, but more recently I've started to, you know, get in a, a Facebook live thing um, on, I guess it was the just, just after new year's or on new year's. I can't remember. And uh, so I can see now doing them. I did an acoustic thing, um, but uh we did have, you know, finding a home for the record and 
um, getting the artwork together and those things, mm -hmm. which I also did, you know, over the last few months. Yeah. So it's been, it's just, it's such a weird time because yeah, like you said, most people would just be going and it's hard to even make plans. Now I had a friend who said, well, I had tickets to go to Red Rocks to see a band and it got moved to June. And so I'm really excited for that. And I said, well, fair warning. Yeah. <laughs> you be going to Red Rocks in June. It might not be June, although it's, I guess it's more likely because it's such a big outdoor place. Yeah, outdoor Maybe place they could, back at work. They uh, could sort of uh, make, make sure people sat apart a little bit there. Right. Um, but it's, just so, it's so, it's so weird. I'm like you, I've spent time watching the HBO shows. Everyone says I should watch and I've never, have not had time to watch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Doing I've, stuff just, like that. <laughs> I've done that on everything you know every right. streaming service in fact one of my dreams is to kind of try to make a list of everything I consumed like over the last year um, entertainment wise and my only worry is I'm afraid I'm going to include things that are from before the pandemic, <laughs> like yeah, some things I'm not sure kind of exactly when it was you know but yeah. I guess no one would have to know they could think i did it during the pandemic even if i have some things from before you know right well my yeah that's always me because i have little kids too so i'm like yeah my favorite movie i watched last year and i'm like it was a recent movie then i look oh that was from five years ago <laughs> <laughs> that's all right yeah. we understand <laughs> you're a dad totally so yeah, and that I, I thought it was interesting for you too because, like you said, you finished the album right before this. So yeah, a lot of people are just like, "Well, I had some downtime." It's kind of the perfect time for musicians, right? Because you can be yeah, in the yeah. studio, but you just were kind of already out of that mode. Yeah, and it's also just kind of a funny coincidence that the album itself is such a kind of loner album, you know, <laughs> right? because I yeah. played all the lead myself and stuff. It it feels like weirdly appropriate, even though it didn't happen during the actual time frame. Right. Um, but, you know, I usually need kind of a few months after I make a record before I feel like I can clear my mind and start something new. I have to kind of forget the, the other record a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I'm just getting to that point now. I guess I'm kind of glad I'm going to be home a while longer because that's going to help me kind of get that process going i mean i'm a real loner i don't go out anyway i don't really socialize because <laughs> yeah. my wife and i hang out you know she works during the day and then we hang out at night and um so uh in a strange way it's not that different for me except obviously i would be going and working and sure doing shows at least some part of the year you know yeah well and for you too it's weird it's got to be weird you were talking about streaming and i thought of this too because uh you know a lot of people they're they're around their band or they live in the same town as their band <laughs> and you yeah are, you can't just be like all right fellas we're doing a streaming show no anything i do <laughs> is gonna be alone <laughs> yeah although i know there are people that have figured out how to do you know yeah stream it all places. Together, yeah but... get it kind of a mashup I, I just haven't really approached doing that. I mean, my management um, manages some other artists and all of them have done way more than I've done. They've just kind of started talking me into, you know, giving it a shot and 
and you know going live and figuring out some things yeah and you i mean the good thing for you too is you have the studio so that's a nice that's a good space <laughs> to be able to figure yeah out it's easy easy for me to uh record whenever i want to yeah. um i but i still tend to go in batches you know i don't tend to just work all the time right i don't really want it to all run into e- <laughs> itself you know what i mean it's like nice to kind of clear my head and feel like i'm at blank slate when i start up again you know right like shake off the previous thing and move into something else yeah so um it was interesting to me and you you mentioned this in the press release they sent out but talking about being what's funny is back in nebraska as a teenager thinking about someday someday i'll play lead guitar (laughs) yeah no that's really true like i really did like once have this kind of moment well, I sort of had this thing where I would think like I was convinced that I was a bass player initially. Right. And I was convinced that like, even when I didn't play bass, somehow my ability to play bass improved just in the back of my mind, sort of subconsciously. It was just some feeling sort of that I had. And I just remember one day thinking, I wonder if I'll be able to play lead guitar someday, just because I'm so old. I've just kind of absorbed it, you know, <laughs> and and that's what I did on this record. And it was even sort of like I thought around this age, you know, that's so true. it was this weird thing I thought about. And maybe that did play into um, last couple of years. I was sort of like, I'm going to do one where I play uh, all the guitars on it. So I didn't really know what it would be like. I didn't know to what degree I'd really be able to do it. I mean, I did start out by making multi-tracks all on my own. Mm -hmm. So I, I played lead, you know, back when I was really young, but I never, you know, considered it to be, you know, any kind of pro quality. And one of the fun things for me was, you know, hooking up with other people and it, you know, was like a, a fresh for me when other people played, on stuff, it kind of brought this whole other angle and it made it a little less sort of lonely to be just <laughs> yeah. the solo guy, you know? Um, but at this point, I don't know. I just thought I'm going to do one where I play all the lead. I guess I thought it would make, for sure, it would make it its own kind of special thing. So, right. um, so I got into it and I really enjoyed it. I didn't, really belabor it it's not belabored it's it's uh everything was done pretty quickly and you know comp the way we would do in the studio mm-hmm. uh i found you know you let people play whatever they feel in that moment and they can kind of go crazy and it doesn't matter if they make mistakes and stuff because you can you know any little mistakes that you know are bothersome enough it's just so easy you know to fix them right so I tried to just, you know, do two or three takes and then go through, erase everything terrible and then kind of look at where in the song um, there's like that visual aspect in Pro Tools, you know, where I had good stuff. And I would just kind of try the different things and, and uh, use what seemed good. Yeah, it was interesting. You were talking about being uh, talking about being a teenager and thinking, well, someday I'll just like unlock this almost 
but when I I'm I'm a very bad guitar player, but I know enough to uh know how good other people are if that makes sense okay. <laughs> and i know enough you know i play some oh you're probably good <laughs> i do i do think there's that thing sometimes where you're playing in any instrument and you have almost a mental block that i can't do this i'm not good enough to do this and some somewhere along the way and maybe it's practice and you get better but sometimes it's just telling yourself man i can i could probably do this and you know somewhere along the line it just like clicks and it goes in do you yeah feel like that happens sometimes I do. Um, there was a time, I think, when I kind of thought I'm sure I could learn any instrument if I, especially if I got lessons, you know. Sure. Um, but one thing popped in my mind. Um, I got it in my head. I was going to try to learn to play the cello. <laughs> I thought, well, surely I can play those simple kind of cello lines like on, you know, Beatles records or whatever. I love that chung, 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 chung sound, you know, like... Uh, I am the walrus or whatever, you know, yeah. and uh, and I borrowed a cello and like I just so couldn't do it. It was like just <laughs> like really impossible. Like I was kind of shocked because I played, I don't know, when I was in, you know, fourth or fifth grade, I played the violin mm -hmm. and I did a little bit in, you know, a junior youth orchestra or whatever. And uh, and so I kind of thought, you know, I, I have some experience with it. I'll be able to do it. But that was a time where it was really difficult to learn. That's an instrument. Right. I just don't think I can fake it on, you know, <laughs> but everything else I could kind of fake, you know, I could always, you know, sort of play keyboards and piano, you know, sort of play other kinds of guitar and usually another instrument like a, you know, a ukulele or something I right. could pick up you know um uh but uh but yeah i don't know i think that i just had so much exposure to really great lead guitar players both touring and on my yeah. records over the years it just sort of influenced my brain you know so even though i never really had any lessons um i feel like i absorbed kind of the emotional attack of it enough to yeah. kind of do it well that was one thing i was going to ask i mean i'm sure you weren't thinking like what would richard lloyd do on this song but like yeah, it sounded like some of your guitar playing is influenced by people that you've played with before well yeah and i think richard you know if i had to pick one person i would probably pick richard <laughs> yeah. but he just had a way you would go at things um that was just had a spirit to it that I really liked. And um, that's what I think I learned from him was just sort of the attack of it. And um, he also was a very melodic mm -hmm. player and um, is a very melodic player, I should say, cause he's yeah. still around and at it. And uh, I don't know, I think, I think that's, that's fair, you know, that if I had to pick one person who is my biggest influence, I think it would be Richard. Like I still remember, um, you know, I met him when uh, I did a tour with the Golden Palominos in 1986. And at the end of our tour, our lead guitar player, this guy, Jody Harris, I don't know if you remember the Ray Beats. He was from yeah. an instrumental group from New York called the Ray Beats. And he got in some, had some falling out with Anton Fear, who was the drummer who 
it was his project, the Palominos. Mm -hmm. And uh, Richard got hired to uh, come in and play these last couple dates we played at the Lone Star Cafe in New York. Mm -hmm. And it was like we had one rehearsal for a couple <laughs> of hours and he was supposed to learn like everything. And it was just yeah. like <laughs> totally impossible for for anyone to to have done, you know. And we just kind of bonded at that session. I felt bad for him that he was like under the gun <laughs> to learn so much stuff. And we were doing a few songs of mine from my first record on Columbia. And he was like nice to me about them. Like, you know, I like your poppy songs or whatever. <laughs> and uh, we just kind of hit it off. And, uh, you know, I love him. He's a really, uh, a really great person. And, uh, and, but what I was trying to get to is I was, I was in a sublet at the time uh, making my, uh, second record for a m the the mm -hmm. one before Girlfriend, yeah. uh, which Richard also played on a lot. And I remember he came over to the sublet and we just kind of sat at a table and I had some, some kind of demos I was working on and he just kind of jammed along to a tape or something sitting at the table with me. And I was just like, this is so perfect. Yeah. This is so great. I want you to play so bad, you know? <laughs> and he was like, sure, you know? And, you know, over time, it's funny, he he uh, also coined this term where he said, you know, I do shards. I do shards for you, Matthew. <laughs> and that kind of speaks a little bit to that kind of the angle, mm -hmm. uh, I guess I can say angular-ish sort of attack that he had in his lead plane. And he knew that was kind of what I was looking for, like just bits of commentary, you know, on the lead guitar. Right. So. Yeah. I like that way of thinking about it. Well, yeah, one of the things I liked about the record is um, it's a really interesting album. There's a lot of different sounds on the record, a lot of harder things um, like Blown Away, and but there's more like groove-based stuff like Drifting too. It, was there any musical sort of angle you were looking at when you were coming to the, these songs? I don't think so much. I think that I... I had stored up a lot of little ideas of just kind of chord progressions and things. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I would write uh, just titles and things in uh, my notes, you know, in my phone or my iPad. Um, so, you know, certain things like I might have had a bunch of little ideas, snippets, and then I might marry a title or some kind of angle to that thing sometimes it all came right then you know um right. all all together um but i didn't really have a sense of what the album excuse me would be like i don't know if i ever really do you know i <laughs> <Yeah>. mean it, <laughs> what comes out is sort of me and there's only so different i can sort of force it to do so instead of I try to just be a good version <laughs> sort of of myself, you know, yeah. and get out of the way of the music and, you know, let it flow. And really the only, uh, you know, criteria I had was that I was going to play all the lead. And I was kind mm -hmm. of, you know, relying on that to do enough to distinguish it where it had its own sort of thing about it. Um, at the time, yeah, I thought of it as being more, harder kind of more 
simplified version of things. I felt like kind of I wasn't doing ballads or even super melodic things that much. But then kind of looking back on it, I really did do kind of all those things that I would normally do. Um, <laughs> but but I had it, you know, I was trying to go after a little harder, simpler, direct sure. kind of thing, just guitar, bass, drums. And I didn't get into as much of a, you know, dreamland and, you know, softer sorts of things mm -hmm. as maybe I would usually do just because I, I always tried to make my albums have a wide variety of things on them because I, I guess I kind of got that from like the Beatles or, yeah. you know, I've always thought, you know, people who are really great have, you know, really different songs. They don't all sound like the same song, you know? And so I kind of always had it in my head to make sure, you know, I picked a wide range of ideas in, in uh, the case of Cat's Pie, I sort of didn't have any more very much than I recorded. I mean, there were only yeah. <laughs> probably, uh, I can't remember if there's 12 on it, maybe. Uh, I probably only had maybe 16, 17 songs. Okay. So there's only really a handful that didn't go on it. Every now and then, you know, I'll get a song in my head and I'll realize, oh yeah, that's that song I didn't put on the album. <laughs> you know, kind of for a minute I'll go, too bad I didn't, you know, couldn't yeah. put it on or whatever. <laughs> but everything will exist. I mean, with the internet, you know, everything will see the light of day someday. Right. So it kind of almost doesn't matter uh, if things flip off in different areas yeah. and aren't right with the album, you know. Well, the beauty of the especially digital technology too is it's not like it's laying on some master tape in a closet yeah. somewhere that you have to access it you won't know, be like destroyed computer. over time yeah 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 and that's a pretty good feeling i mean i remember when the first dat machines came out mm -hmm. and it was the first time we could mix our little multi-track tapes at home onto a thing that sounded as good as you know what yeah. you mixed out of and it would never change you know and it was just like the greatest device ever invented you know that was before we had recordable cd machines mm -hmm. um and you know long before we could just pop stuff in a playlist and make cds from it off our computer right so uh i do like that i do like that about the internet the sort of ease of sending around music it's it's cool also even though i didn't really do it on this album it's really cool to be able to just send tracks to people right. i mean i don't even um you know i don't even have to make like clicks and do that kind of stuff i can just send a track and someone can pop it in and as long as they've moved it you know to the very beginning of the session they right. can do stuff and send me just those tracks and i can just fly it in right along with what i did and it's it's i think really cool for musicians to be able to oh, work yeah. on their own without that pressure <laughs> and uh you know sometimes i get asked like well, but do you need that pressure and i kind of think no like i think if anything that sort of pressure in the studio if i think back you know those were the hardest times for people when they felt kind of on the spot yeah. and i think that music 
responds really well to freedom and kind of not feeling pressure. Right, right. I mean, it's nice. To, I mean, uh, I mean, you had Rick on the record. It had this happened right now. You were making it. You could just say, "Hey, can you record those drums and send them to me?" I don't know if you come <laughs> yeah, to Omaha. I mean, that's what you did, but I mean, we probably could sort of do that, and he could find a place, right. you know, to go and do it. Um, lucky for us, it was 2019, so he just <laughs> yeah. drove down from. You know, he lives outside of Minneapolis now, so oh, okay. yeah, um, he just drove down and came and played and. You know, that's what we've been doing for a long, long time. You know, he's been coming over to my house and recording ever since mm-hmm. I've been able to record at home, which is, I guess, almost since the uh, turn of the century, mm-hmm. if yeah. we can call it that. <laughs> and that makes it the, that made me think about it too. I mean, doing the solo record, it was really only Rick on the album right because you did everything it sounded like um you were doing the backing vocals and doing pretty much all the stuff right yeah i did everything and i normally do a lot sure but i just usually have at least a couple other people that sort of play on it um and part of that's just because it's fun to share the music with other people you Mm -hmm. know that's just a little bit sort of lonely or whatever to just be <laughs> the one guy you know um but in this case you know i planned that and uh and it was cool you know i yeah I could certainly do it again i i mean i guess i don't know exactly what i'll do because I, I haven't really written the music for the next yeah. thing but um you know that will determine i guess what i do if i feel like i need um, other people I'll get other people if I feel like oh, I'll do it myself again I'll do yeah. that you know was this kind of um, I mean like you said you've always kind of done your own thing but was this kind of the dream with the studio you have now is just like well it's just me <laughs> I've got the <laughs> space and I can play around and do whatever I want and uh, you know you don't have to rent space or make sure someone yeah comes I down. Mean, you just do whatever you want yeah and I've I've had that feeling for a long time because I've had a home studio for a long time. Right. Um, so it's not really a new feeling, but it it's a really good feeling to just be able to do that. Um, I feel lucky that that's how I started out writing songs mm-hmm. was learning to multi-track myself. And if anything, I had to kind of get comfortable with doing it at, at home. Um, I was, you know, often gonna make a record, you know, where I did it at home, even during sort of my heyday, but I was never, I never quite had sort of the confidence to just do it all alone mm-hmm. when I was, you know, had these, you know, big budgets and a lot of sort of pressure <laughs> on me for, you know, they're looking for you know, singles and things. Right. Um, so it took really a little bit until the industry started started kind of imploding for me to become more comfortable just Wild West doing it on my own. <laughs> and, and I really, I don't think I would go back. I mean, I guess it'd be great if tons of records still sold and it, it's just sure. a kind of a different world, you know? And so... You know, I'm lucky enough that I come from a time where um, it was before sort of the internet and 
at least I have that kind of history, um, you know, to come out of. I can't imagine now there's just so many people having bands and doing music mm-hmm. because everyone can do it on their own, yeah, you know, on their phone or wherever. And because there's so much more electronic music, you know, they don't have, you don't have to have a lot of musical ability to put together tracks Mm -hmm. and make, you know, records quote unquote or whatever. And so (laughs) it does sort of seem like, you know, I'm sure there's much great music being made and, uh, it'll it'll be so much of it that it's going to take a lot of time for the people of the future to sort through it all oh, man, yeah. but i think there's going to you know just think how many you know big stars there'll be you know things that kind of fell between the cracks but were really important and vital and i just imagine there's more stuff than ever you know oh yeah and it's it's easier to find which is nice it's interesting too because just talking about recording and stuff, you obviously learned how to do a lot of this stuff yourself, but then you also lived through the era of like, well, to make this record, we have to rent this big studio and get a oh, yeah. and get all these musicians. And what's interesting now is like, you don't need any of that stuff very clearly. I mean, you, you definitely have the skills to be able to produce your own record and play all the uh, music because you're a talented person, but a producer would not have necessarily helped you in this situation, but yeah, you know, maybe in a not. different era, you would have been required to have done that. <laughs> not actually. Yeah. Not actually necessary. Yeah. Back then it was like, they wanted you to spend a ton of money. Oh yeah. And they were in a whole, you know, different game of like, also they sort of had the ability to spend money and make things happen. Mm-hmm. And so if you sort of, you know, we're, we're delivering, you know, a thing they felt invested in, um, you know, that was, you were really lucky to like, you know, be an artist who uh, the label sort of, you know, was counting on. Um, But, you know, but it also was sort of frustrating. I always felt like, you know, I could never quite give them really what they wanted, you know, it was this kind of slightly uneasy sort of thing. And, you know, I tried not to think about it and just, make albums like I thought of good albums being, you know, or whatever, but I never really felt like, and maybe it's just cause I wasn't, you know, that kind of person. I wasn't like, I wanted to be on stage from when I was really young and have everybody look at me. <laughs> and like, I didn't have that aspect of really being a performer. I was, you know, a home studio guy. Yeah. So uh, I had to, you know, learn to go out and play live and deal with being myself and figure out kind of who that was. And, you know, it was really a label that talked me into doing that. They're like, we think you should use your real name and be like a solo artist. And I, otherwise I probably would have, you know, had a group, you know, that was really me, but had, you know, a group name like so many people did. And it, to me, that was just cooler. I never really wanted to be a guy standing with a guitar. And that's totally what labels wanted me to yeah. be. So I was always pushing for weird hobbies of mine to be involved in the artwork and trying not to be just boring, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, not be the the just photo of you on the cover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's all they wanted. Yeah. So I like I'm always like blurry because like that was the compromise, you know. Yeah. Well, if you're gonna have a photo of me, I want it to be really weird and arty, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, they were they were almost never happy with covers that I made. Oh, you know? I'm sure. Well, I'm sure they wanted the we need to market you as a person. Yes, you know, you're the brand. That's right. But that's another one of the great things about now. Like, I don't like pictures of myself and I don't have to put them on my album. You know, it's so cool. Like, I don't even have to think about the pressure of that, you know. That's great. Well, uh, I thought it was interesting you ended up in Omnivore. That's a cool label that does a lot of current artists and uh, retro releases and they've won Grammys for a bunch of different stuff. That's a neat place to land. Well, I'd always heard great things about them. I met a couple people from the label mm-hmm. uh, back when I worked on, uh, did some producing on a Bangles record and they were oh, right. somehow involved in that. I don't know that they released it, but they they did something for it. And I just had it in my head always. They're really cool. It had a lot of people tell me they were really great people. Um, Rick knew them. Mm. um and uh so when we decided to try and shop my record around they were really the ones that seemed to um respond most immediately and really be excited about the record like they actually you know listened to it (laughs) and dug it you know (laughs) and so uh so we decided to work with them and and they've been great and i Totally hope we can do more. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool place. Well, yeah, that's a uh, Matthew. That's most of the stuff I want to talk about. It's I really like the new record. I like how, I mean, you were talking about it's a really straightforward kind of rocking guitar drums record, but I just love the diverse sound on it too. So it's a, well, thanks so much. Album. I, I yeah. really appreciate it coming from you. Absolutely. Well, I was excited to talk to you, uh, but it was funny too. It kind of happened at a perfect time because I was going through a lot of my stuff from my old job and uh, there were a lot of Matthew Sweet CDs in there. <laughs> I was kind of going through the history of Sorry. it. Like, no, <laughs> it was great because I was going through um, just stuff I had brought from my desk and I was, you know, it was kind of the catalog of Matthew Sweets. It was kind of a perfect time to talk to you because I was thinking about and I put on some of those records too. So good way to that's great well i was excited to see you were on the list to do an interview so nice to see you yes you too Um, for uh, taking the time for me as always it's it's a nice uh nice change to be able to look at each other yeah definitely and uh (laughs) i don't know what i mean by that but you know i've had a few interviews actually where it's not that they have uh, uh any kind of video podcast but it's just the chance has gotten in people's heads of what it's like if you're actually seeing each other yeah. <laughs> to do an interview and and a lot of people prefer it it you know years years of doing so many phone interviews because that's what you have to do um yeah yeah all the time it's kind of nice to do these because it's more familiar if that makes sense yeah you feel like yeah. you're having a conversation <laughs> yeah it's just more personal yeah i like it me too well yeah man i'm looking forward to what comes next and hopefully you can uh get out and play some shows whenever that's yeah no kidding wow yeah and it's you know for me it's like small clubs are like my place even you know all around the country so 
the people are jammed in when I play shows and it just, <laughs> I don't want to die. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let alone them, you know? So uh, maybe we'll, in springtime, we'll somewhere sure it's safe. Yeah. Maybe in springtime or summer, someone uh, here in Omaha can arrange an outdoor show for you or something. If people aren't comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe so. <laughs> we'll see. Well, great, man. Thanks so much for your time. Good to well, see you. Th- thank you. And uh, you uh, stay safe with your yeah, family. You too. Thanks, Matthew. Yep. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pops and Hisses. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app or head to popsandhisses.com where you can listen to the podcast and find more music news, reviews, interviews, and what else? More podcast episodes. I'm your host, Kevin Coffey, and you can follow me on Twitter as at Omaha Music Guy or find my page on Facebook by searching for Kevin Coffey. My last name is spelled C-O-F-F-E-Y, by the way. Thanks to Herdat Media for producing the show, and I encourage you to check out Herdat's network of podcasts such as my friends Pat and JT, who tell great and funny stories, or Meathead Test Kitchen, where they talk about food and fitness. Find them all at herdatmedia.com slash network. That's H-U-R-R-D-A-T media.com slash network. Thanks for listening. See you next time. A Herdat Media Production.